Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Shine at Work podcast. I'm your host, Karen Weeks. As a career transition coach and a culture leader, my goal is to help career-oriented humans get unstuck so they can shine brighter in business and in life. I believe that you deserve a career that lights you up because, spoiler alert, it impacts how bright you shine in your whole life. This season, we are laser focused on helping you navigate your career and find a job internally or externally, or do a full career change. Because guess what? It's not too late. You can still set yourself up for a great 2023 starting now. Because I know what it feels like when your light is dim and you're in a role that doesn't light you up anymore. I made a career change from theater to HR, and now I've added coaching to the mix. I know what it's like to try to think about how to raise my hand for a new role at my company but not sure how to start those conversations. At times in my life, I had to take a look inside to see what was most important to me, what made me shine bright, and how to make adjustments along the way, and how my career even fit into that. It's all possible. I did it, my previous guests have done it, and I help others do it too. And I'm so thrilled to welcome my co-coach, my friend, recruiting partner, Dan Carr, to be the co-host throughout the season. You walk away from each episode, not just inspired, but with some actionable advice and steps you can take to land a new job and make the most out of your career. And I hope that you find it so valuable that you subscribe to the podcast, leave a review and tell your friends because we all deserve to shine bright in our lives and at work. So let's jump into this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Shine at Work. I am Karen Weeks, and I am thrilled yet again to have my friend, co-host, partner, Dan Carr on the show with me. Hello, Dan. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. It's Friday. It's never a bad day. I know. The only bad part is that we're recording this later in the afternoon and it's getting dark already. That's the worst part of this time of year. Kills me. I know. Well, it just makes you feel like your day goes on way longer. Like if you end your day in light, for some reason, that makes it feel like you didn't work all day. Yeah, I know. It's tough though when light is gone at 4.30. (laughs) That's going to be a future episode. How to end your day at 4.30 so you still end the day during the light. I will buy into that one. (laughs) What we are going to talk about today is myth busting, cover letters, and resumes. There's so many old things that used to be out there. There There's so many things that people sort of dread when they think about this stuff. So we're going to dive in and figure out what do you actually need to do around cover letters and resumes so that you are branding yourself and presenting yourself in the best way possible, but also not getting trapped into some of those different lies that are out there. But before we even go down there, we're going to ask our famous uh, recruiting partner here, Mr. Mr. Daniel Carr, why does it even matter? Like as a recruiter, how do you really look at this stuff? You know, why is this even an important thing to think about as a candidate? You look at everything in different degrees and at different timing. So we'll kind of go through each step, but you know, this is really all a window into your relevant experience to the position and whether or not someone wants to have a further further conversation with you and consider you for a position. So being able to do that in um, and taking into consideration how long someone is actually looking at your resume or your cover letter and what they're looking for um, can really make or break um, you getting further into an application process. So it's going to be one of the most important things of accomplishing your next step in your new career. 
Well, and I think it's about finding ways to have you stand out. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more in the cover letter. I'm not saying like flashy blinky lights of like hire me, if that doesn't make sense for what you're going for, but just, this is a moment to sell yourself. Like that's what this is at the end of the day. Why should I choose you over this other resume I have in front of me? You want it to really represent all the great stuff that you've done and how that makes you set up to be a great candidate this way. And to start it's on paper. And then eventually you can have conversations and tell a lot more, which we've talked about in previous episodes, but it all starts with, I got to know who you are at some point to be able to decide if I want to talk to you or not. Yeah. It's, it's really just conveying what we're trying to convey the message right now is this is the experience that I have. This is why it ties into what you're looking for. And I think it warrants a conversation. That's yeah. it. And is it true that recruiters spend like 30 seconds or something on a resume until it catches their attention? Uh, probably not even 30 <laughs> seconds. I, honestly, uh, I, I was thinking through that and I, I pulled up a resume just to kind of go through that process again. Yeah. And it's probably more like 10 to 15 seconds. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's quickly just going through, like, I'm looking right at where is your past position? What was your title? And if that coincides with what I think being relevant to the position that I'm hiring for, then I'm going to start to read a couple of your bullets. And then beyond that, I'll look at maybe your next job and sort of get a sense of what your journey was. And then maybe I'll go up to your summary and then I'll click over to your cover letter. But um, pretty quickly, they're evaluating because people are looking for that recent relevant experience. And that's going to be like a 10 second sort of snapshot of what they look at. Yeah. I want to repeat what you just said, because the way you just described how you look at a resume is not the way it's literally laid out. So you said, mm -hmm. first you look at the most recent uh, company and role and a couple of those bullet points, then maybe you'll go to other places. So you don't start mm -hmm. at the top and go down. No, certainly not. Like I'm, I'm going right to wherever your experience starts. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's literally going to be, okay, what's the company and the title? So I know the company is relevant to the industry we're, we're working in. That's awesome. The title is either comparable to what um, the position I'm hiring for is, or is maybe a step down or a step backwards, but that's something more you can unpack. Then I'm looking over, okay, how many years of experience were you there doing this? Okay, three, that's great. Let's see what the journey was into this position. Okay, looks like a natural next step. They've been doing this for the last seven years. And then maybe I'll go up to the summary to see what somebody has to say in general. Um, but if so, if if like some of those key two, three things that I'm looking for in the position spark my interest and it looks like it's there, then I'm going to the cover letter to see what this person has to say and sort of dissect that. You've said it a couple of times too. And this is something that we've talked to a lot of our clients about is figuring out what that title should be because- like even way back in the day, my very first HR job, I was technically an office associate, but I did HR mm -hmm. stuff as a part of that. So when I started to then apply to my next job where I wanted only an HR job, I retitled it on my resume to be HR and office associate, HR first, then the actual yep. title. I wasn't lying. That's absolutely what I did. I didn't make myself like a VP or something that I clearly was not, but I used words that I knew the recruiters wanted to see. So how do people, how should people think about that piece? Cause I know some people are like, but that wasn't my title. What if they do a reference check or a uh, employment verification? 
I'm all about finding the title that makes sense for the job you're looking for, but how can you, how can we help people get more comfortable with that? So they don't feel like they're lying. Yeah. I think it's, it's pretty well understood and accepted that, um, people work in comparable positions, but titles can be all over the place across different companies, across different industries. So anything that you're doing to kind of, um, help that recruiter in their 10 seconds of focus on, on your resume to explain or further elaborate in a very concise way what you were actually doing is perfectly okay and they're going to appreciate it. And again, we're what we're doing is we're sparking a conversation. So is, is this worth a, a 15 to 30 minute phone screen with the recruiter? So uh, elaborating or... Um, sort of adjusting your your title to reflect more of the language that's in their job description and what they're looking for is 1000% okay, as long as it's reasonable and you're not, again, tinkering with, with the level <laughs> of, and the scope of what you've actually done. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's appreciated and 100% okay. Well, and I think, I mean, I know some people joke about, I think it was Google was calling people like ninjas and gurus and like all that kind of bullshit mm. for a while. So obviously mm -hmm. that is not helpful. But even for example, I know in sales organizations and in client services organizations, account manager can be very different things. Sometimes that is in the sales org because you're trying to deal with like renewals and that kind of stuff. Other times it means, no, I own a book of business and I'm just trying to retain them. So yep. if your title is account manager and you're specifically targeting sales roles, maybe changing it to sales rep or account executive or something like that better reflects that I'm only looking for sales roles. Yep. Or you can say account man manager, comma, mm. uh, sales department, like yeah. anything like that, that again is elaborating on what you're doing. Because a lot of times um, people take for granted that recruiters are working in one industry. So a lot of times they'll be familiar with that and they not all of them can connect those dots. So where you can start to connect the dots between what you did and uh, what the actual day-to-day -day of your work was to what they're looking for, again, is super helpful helpful for them and is going to be valuable on both ends. Yeah. Well, and um, I want to kind of go back to something you said about the summary. Not everybody knows what a summary is or that they should have a summary on it. And to your point, do people actually read it? So how do you describe what that summary should be at the top of a resume? Yeah, I'm sorry I brought up summary because <laughs> I'm not I'm not a huge uh, advocate for the summary. I, I can tell you that um, never never once in my entire career in recruiting has someone uh, a hiring manager or someone on the interviewing team said that person had a really great summary <laughs> or there was no summary on the resume so should we really be talking to this person I love it definitely definitely not super important and I think the first point to bring up about it is um do not put an objective mm -hmm. like uh something stating I'm looking for uh x job in this industry and looking to join a company of you know this stature or whatever it's just it's pointless. Like it's, it's kind of a given if you're applying for the position, yeah. that's what you're going for. So, um, I'd say a summary, if anything, it should be giving recruiters again, like answers to the test, like mm. elaborating a little bit on maybe it's two sentences of like, if I, for me as a recruiter, I would say recruiter with 10 plus years of experience across startups and large corporations working in both tech and non-technical have managed teams before 
um, and, and kind of like just short and concise like yeah. that in maybe one or two sentences of like what your background is, what the scope of that experience is, but it, it should really be short, concise, and relevant to mm. the position that you're applying to. So it's funny because literally you're summarizing your resume. You're not trying to sell yourself. You're not trying to tell your story. If you want to include something up top, it you think of the word summary because that's literally what you just said if you were to describe yourself, for example. Yeah, and I, I think the other keyword that'll probably come up a lot in this conversation is relevant. So mm. um, make sure, I think it's a good opportunity and we'll we'll dive into this further into the conversation, but we're talking about making making sure that you're looking at keywords and the way that they're talking about a position in a job description. And if you don't want to be editing your resume, which for every position that you're applying to, that summary might be a good opportunity to have a two-sentence thing that you play around with mm. to make sure that you're you're touching on some of the keywords that are that are in the actual job description as a way to describe yourself or your background. Nice. If that no, makes it sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I think it people obsess about that, just like they obsess about their cover letter, which we'll talk about in a second. So I think giving them sort of the relief to say, just needs to be simple. Maybe that's the thing you copy and paste differently or whatever, but that's not where recruiters are starting. That's not the most important thing. Because I think, look, this is all about myth busting, right? Like, I think people put more weight into that than maybe it needs to be. So hearing a recruiter say, hey, at least for me, that's not the thing that I look at or the start with. That's not the thing that's going to get you the job or not get you the job. Um, I think that's really helpful for folks. And that's exactly why we're having this conversation, because I think there's there's lots of different points of view. And look, you can listen to another podcast, and I'm sure someone will say that's the most important thing ever. But yeah. at least in our opinion, give yourself some grace there. It is not the most important thing. Like if you're going to do it, I, this is my opinion, but short and concise yeah. is the way to go because as you're, as, as someone's reading through your resume, it's also an indication of how somebody communicates. Mm. So, um, if I'm looking at somebody's summary and it's two paragraphs long, two paragraphs long on a, a three page resume, I'm already thinking, is this uh, someone that knows how to drill down to the relevant and really make a headline out of what they've done. And that that can start to give you a picture into in their everyday working um, style is, are, are they quick, concise? Do they know how to sort of get to the, to the point um, and, and how would they work with other teams or across other departments? So there's, there's a lot of things in there that can um, be deciphered as you yeah. go through reading. And this section specifically, I, I think if you're going to do anything, be super concise is yeah. the point. So speaking of concise, one of the old things of the past was, and by the way, this is usually when you had to print your resume out and like actually hand in a piece of paper, was that mm -hmm. a resume should only be a page. Is that yeah. still true in today's world? I don't think it's as important in a digital age. Like um, back in the day when people, you didn't want someone to have to flip through things or go back and reference another page or um, a lot of things that are just antiquated at this point. I think going back to my point of being concise and relevant and pointed, um, one page is pretty good. I, 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 maybe maybe a bar is, you know, if you've got 10 years of experience, your resume should probably be about one page. If you're dipping past 10 years, it's okay to have two pages. It's, it's perfectly fine. Um, I wouldn't get into a world where you've got 
three pages of a resume, but probably a one to two pages where you want to live. And, that, and that's depending on years of experience. Or maybe, you know, um, you were at one job for seven years mm-hmm. um, and you, you held many different positions. That might stretch that pretty far down and you have to dive into a second page to, to talk about any other relevant prior experience. But that's probably a pretty good rule of thumb. Yeah, because after 10 years, what I used to hear was you can put your like title and company and like the fact that you had a job, but it can just be job, 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 job after that. You want the bullets and the description to be the more recent stuff. You don't have to do that for all the jobs. Like I've been working for 23 years or something. You do not need to know that what I was doing back in the early 2000s, that doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, it goes back to the that relevant word, yeah. like is this relevant to the position? Is the person looking at the resume going to care at all yeah. that yeah. you you did X? <laughs> like to your point, yes, showing an employment history mm-hmm. in, in some cases, it, it makes sense. But um, I, I just went through a resume with somebody that had 40 years of experience and we kind of capped it at 15 and even positions that were beyond 10 years, we just kind of put the title and one little concise bullet along with their their title in the in the company at the time and that was completely sufficient so but it it just goes back to like is this relevant is someone going to even care to the position that that you're applying to if i'm a recruiter and i'm looking at your current job and those bullets maybe the previous job maybe the summary i'm never getting to that other stuff so don't waste the time having it there because i'm never going to look at it yeah don't waste the time and don't waste the space of your resume yeah you know So speaking of other sort of design things, um, I know some people really love to put some design work on their resume and have some colors and some like little, I don't know, stars to like separate the sections so that visually it's more appealing. Does that matter to you as a recruiter? The first thing I would say is it probably depends on the the role in the Mm -hmm. industry that you're working in. Like if somebody is in marketing or design, it's nice to see a little bit of personality coming through um, in in a resume and maybe even a little bit of flavor or spice of what their their work is like. Mm -hmm. But I think the headline here is uh, if you're going to do anything, keep it as pretty simple um, and don't stray away from the main objective, which is trying to convey that you are a good fit for the position. So anything that you're doing design-wise that you think may take away from that, I'd say don't do. But yeah. um, if it if it matches the tone of your industry and your type of role, like marketing and des- or design, um, it can it can make sense totally, and and is nice to. It's nice for me if I've got um, a, a pretty nice looking resume to hand off to the CMO of of, of a company. Mm-hmm. Be like, this person looks this person looks great. You know, CFO might not give yeah. a crap about yeah. uh, any sort of design aesthetic. So I, I again like don't stray away from the main objective. Anything that's going to take away conveying what you do and why you're a good fit. Um, keep it pretty clean and don't get too crazy with like fonts. Um, I'd say stick with sort of the normal stuff that, that people use. Um, and another, another thing here that comes up is that applicant tracking systems, the tools mm-hmm. that companies use to, to process all of these resumes can, um, and sometimes it, it kind of sets them off or, um, using different fonts or different formats, um, 
doesn't always read the same way when it comes through in their system. So mm. um, again, it's a lot of times simple is is the way to go with with a resume, I'd say. Yeah. And that brings up a good point around designers and like, if you need to sort of show a little bit more, you know, a lot of people will have the link to their LinkedIn profile or link to their website or link to their portfolio. So there's places people can go to get some of that as well. So you don't have to like cram all of it onto a resume if it doesn't make sense for your role. For an accountant, no offense to accountants, like probably just the simple bullets make the most sense. You probably don't have a portfolio you're sending people to, but like focus on what the people need to know in order to consider you for the role. So any other, I mean, this sounds so basic, but I even got resumes with typos and grammar mistakes. And, you know, I look, I get sometimes a resume come through and the formatting may be off depending on how it was uploaded, but like baseline stuff, please just also take the time to make sure someone else has looked at it. We have all read something we wrote and think it's exactly right. And then had someone else read it and been like typo, typo, typo. So have somebody look at your resume before you start submitting it just to make sure none of that stuff is there. That definitely matters. I can think of specific experiences I've had with, um, resumes I've sent to hiring managers that have typos or inconsistencies in font or format of how they're bolding things isn't consistent across the entire resume. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, does this person really have an eye for for detail, Um, which is going to be important probably in any position. So just do yourself a a favor and and make sure, like you, you said, you have a second pair of eyes sort of going over and making sure there aren't any simple, tiny little mistakes like that. I love it. And remember, this is the first way people are meeting you. So whether this is literally your resume, sort of your resume on LinkedIn, you've reached out to them for a cold conversation, you've applied to their system, however, it's literally getting to them. This is the first time they're meeting you. So make sure you're putting your best foot forward, showing why you are the right candidate for this role and tying your experiences back to the job description. And if you follow that, all of these questions kind of get answered for you because that's the lens that you're looking at things from. With that, sometimes applications require cover letters, which we have talked about sort of here and there. We've referenced a little bit. So does anybody read a cover letter if I submit it? (laughs) I mean, yes, definitely. It's usually speaking from my personal experiences and uh, my style, but you know, I'm going to look at the resume and I'm going to look at your, like we we talked about, what was your recent relevant experience and, and does that match up to what we're looking for in the position? And then, of course, if there's a, a cover letter, I'm eager to to see what this person had an opportunity to to put down in a couple sentences beyond just the resume that they're sending to other companies, why they're interested in my position. And again, this is giving me answers to the test that I'm going to go take to a hiring manager and say why this person's a good fit. So um, I can't guarantee you that all recruiters and all covered letters will be read. But if you get to that next step, um, people are certainly going to take the time and they're going to be interested in um, in that window into your application and who you are um, and, and certainly read it. So yes. Well, and I think too, especially if it is a career pivot or you're coming from a different industry Mm -hmm. or, you know, if I see a resume and I go, well, I mean, it's interesting, but 
why this role or this mm-hmm. company, not just because I want you to be interested in it, but because I can't literally connect those dots. I yep. will then immediately go to the cover letter because I'm hoping the cover letter tells me, you know, what you're joking about in the summary section should not be there, but you know, why this, what is your goal of applying here? So trying to join a smaller company, really interested in this field, um, you know, used to be in sales and really focused on the relationship building. So now I'm interested in client services. I don't know, whatever your story is, help help tell me that story so that I'm not looking at your resume going, um, I'm not quite there yet. Yep, exactly. Or, you know, if you are a director level and you're um, mm. at another company in, in sort of a different field and you're applying to the, this position, that's an opportunity to explain, hey, this is a little bit of a shift for me. Um, realizing that I, I may have to take a step back. I'm more interested in, and passionate about making my first step into to this field or this type of work um, and hence why why I'm shifting or why I'm open to that. It, but to your point, it is the opportunity again to add a little bit more color and expand on some of those things that might be sparking questions um, to the recruiter or the hiring manager. And I think if you've been listening to what we've just been talking about for the last couple of minutes, we've been talking about your story. Your cover letter is not a regurgitation of your resume. I have your resume. I need something in addition to that. I The thing that I personally can't say when I'm looking at a cover letter is, and in this job, this is what I did. And these were the metrics mm-hmm. that I hit. And then in this job, this was what I did. This, like, I know, I just read your resume. Yep. And the, reading anything like that tells me that you wrote one cover letter <laughs> two months ago. And that you are just shopping. I don't feel special at all. <laughs> if I've if I've gotten to the step where I'm looking at your cover letter, um, I want to know I want to know why you're specifically because I'm already feeling like okay, you might have the relevant experience mm-hmm. for the position. So I, now I want to know why here. So it's a really good opportunity to show um, a genuine connection to the product, to the brand, or the company. Um, that you are super passionate about it. And not only do you have the, not only do you have the relevant skills, but you, you're bringing passion to the table too, um, is amazing. Like that's something I want to be able to take to a team that's adding somebody to their team and their team culture is this person's awesome. They've been doing this X amount of years at this company and they are super into this, um, industry and our brand. And they brought up, you know, this campaign we just did or this product mm-hmm. that we just launched, they did their showing me uh, we're special for them. Um, they've done some homework and it's just not like clicking the same resume and cover letter out there. And it's a, it's a, just a really good opportunity to, to show, um, show some specific reasons why, why you're interested in the position. Well, and I think you bring up a good point about like, you're trying to get, you know, show what you're going to be like as a team member and what you're going to bring to the company. So it sounds like it's also okay to show a little personality there. Again, what you feel Mm -hmm. comfortable, what's authentic to you, what's appropriate for the company. Like if it's a more conservative company, you know, kind of find the right balance here, but it's also a place to show a little bit of your personality in the cover letter too. For recruiters, they're just going through and uh, they're just seeing black and white and they're scrolling through 200 (laughs) resumes. So you know, when when they're reading the cover letters, anything that, and to your point, yes, like familiarize yourself with the tone of the job description and and maybe visit the company website and their career page and look at how they're talking about themselves and, and just sort of what voice they're using to sort of gauge maybe how much of that you're inserting into your, your cover letter. But um, 
adding that color is um, again an opportunity to to take a step beyond just being the black and white on on a page or a couple bullets on a resume. I remember one of my favorite cover letters I got at Order Groove was so for those of you who don't know me and haven't been following my career, Order Groove works in like the e-commerce space, and so we do subscriptions for. Um, you know, retailers and brands and, and whatnot. So we sort of live in that space. So I got a cover letter that referenced one of our values from our career site. So it talked about one of your values is what you see is what you get. So I wanted, I want you to know what you're going to get if you hire me. And they talked about how they actually, like they did arts and arts and crafts. That sounds so obnoxious, but like, I don't know, they did like jewelry <laughs> or something on the side. They actually had a Shopify store. And so they understood how important it was to make that relationship with the customer and then have them keep coming back. I was like, oh my gosh, like A, they referenced one of our values. B, they're talking about literally the stuff that we do. And they took the time to put that all together for me in their cover letter. And we absolutely interviewed them. So I think that that coming through and that authenticity, but in a way that was going to get my attention was brilliant in their cover letter. A thousand percent. And that makes someone want to have a conversation with you or say, okay, you might be on the fence of like, their background's a little bit of a stretch, but they're super passionate about what we're doing. Like yeah. I should probably have a conversation with them. And, um, you, you know, another thing to think about is recruiters are always not just thinking about what's on their plate, but they're thinking about six months down the road yes. too, of like, you know, the company is always going to face attrition. Um, here is somebody that's sort of really excited about our brand or what we're doing or the mission of our company and has a genuine connection to them to it. Like, let's have a conversation. Then I can open the door of saying, Hey, check back with me uh, in the new year. We might have some new positions. Like you're not quite at the level we're looking for and be very open and honest. But again, um, this is more of playing that, that long game too can open the door for you certainly there too. Absolutely. Well, and I've even had some recruiters on our team reach out to me and say, hey, I don't know where this person should go, but I really liked them. I think you should talk to them because either I know of things that are coming down the pipe later on, or I can talk to the leader about, hey, I know we were looking for X, you know, what what would we think about doing Y instead? So absolutely, like you never know where it's going to go, but if it if it makes an impression, that impression will stay. Yeah. And just to sort of recap on cover letters, like one of my favorite cover letters I ever got, somebody wrote me and they were just like, I love the mission of the company. I actually used the product and gave me the example of it. And then they said, they didn't go into their resume. They said, I'm picking up in the job description. These are, you know, the two most important elements that you're looking for. And I've done that at X company here uh, for this many years and X company here, short and sweet, two paragraphs, but like already they gave me a little bit of color on why they're connected to the position, but also why they have a genuine connection to, to the brand. And that's somebody that I want to bring forth and have a conversation with. I love that. Well, and we're working with someone right now who I thought, honestly, you did a great job helping them show some of that personality and help tell that story of a career pivot. And I read the cover letter for the first time. I was like, oh my gosh, like if I had a role open at a tech company, I would absolutely talk to her. So it really does make a difference. Playing that long game too. It's just, okay, this person put in this much effort. Like this is somebody we should have on the back of our, our brains if something else does come up that is a good fit. So well, and it goes back to what we've been talking about almost all season around networking as well, because if you make a good impression with someone, even if there isn't an opportunity in that moment, 
that has set you up for success. And that's who you keep in touch with that person. We as recruiters do it as a candidate, you should do it. Um, so that's just building that relationship for the future. So it also goes back to like applying for the roles that you're most interested in and genuinely interested in, not just doing the, the spray of applications because you never know, maybe I'm not hiring, but I can introduce you to my friend who's hiring or six months from now, I'm going to be yeah. hiring. So think of it also not only about getting this job, but it it's making that first impression for long-term relationships because you never know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, I was going to make that point is it, what does happen amongst recruiters or um, has even happened between you and I is, mm -hmm. hey, this person came in, they're not a great fit, but do you have anything open for them? Because I really like them and they they did really well on the phone screen and have a, a pretty strong background, but not quite what we're looking for. So yeah. a lot of opportunity can be opened up by showing some effort and initiative in this process and doing it doing it in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. HR and recruiting networks are very strong and they talk good and yes. bad, by the way. We have also <laughs> shared candidates that have come through our pipeline separately and had horror stories about them. So make yes. sure you always put your best foot forward because we talk about that as well. <laughs> Um, alrighty. So as always, we like to wrap up with some actionable advice. So if you are trying to think about what to do with your cover letter or your resume, Mr. Daniel Carr, what is one thing that someone should be doing differently? First and foremost is going through and doing a little bit of homework into the companies that you're applying for and looking at beyond just what the, the title and the level of the position is, but what they're about um, and see if you can find some sort of genuine connection that you can talk about and start your cover letters with that is a, is a really good exercise or even going through and picking like, hey, these are 10 companies that I want to work for and you know, diving in, seeing if they have open positions and telling your genuine connection to that brand. Nice. And I'm going to actually steal something that you have said in the past help the recruiter do their job. So go mm -hmm. through your resume, say, this is what seems to be most important. We talked about this in a previous episode, based on the job description, what seems the most important and make sure your resume reflects that starting with your current job. Because as you said, you start there. So do the work for the recruiter, connect the dots for them on your resume, uh, because that will then reflect on LinkedIn and all the other places that that resume lives. And I have got to call out that my favorite parts of today's episode was one, legitimately learning how recruiters start with the current role, couple of bullets, maybe the next role, and then go back up to the summary. I guess I'm too literal and I go from top to bottom. So that's a very important takeaway and that you need to make sure. That, you know yeah, what you're telling ahead. me is that you don't look at enough resumes. <laughs> Because when you're a recruiter and you're working on seven positions that each have 200 applications, I just want to know where you worked and what your title was and if it's relevant. Because if we can't, if that's if that's not lining up, there's no need to read any further. And I'm what moving it, on to 199. Is it? What is it? Is it Tinder? You swipe, swipe left or swipe right or whatever. Like you're going I that fast. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. All right. And the other thing, which actually really ties very nicely to that is that you have to make the recruiter feel special. <laughs> so think of it as a dating profile. Are you going to make them feel special? <laughs> because if it just is copy company. and paste, the company, all right, the company, I heard make you say that you want to feel, feel special, special, but we'll say company. Well, because I'm, you know, it's uh, the royal we, as, <laughs> as they say. But yes, yeah. you know, companies, we've talked about this before, but um, they're not just filling a position, they're adding to their their culture and their ethos and um, anything that 
you know, they can bring in as applicants of people that contribute to that and are connected to it genuinely. Um, that's a win-win. I love it. All right, my friends. Um, so in the next couple of episodes, um, I'm going to let Dan take a break, re- you know, refresh a little bit. You're just going to get stuck with me. We're going to wrap up the year kind of just reflecting on some things that are going on in the industry and some trends that we're seeing that I want to kind of share my two cents. Again, it's my podcast, so I get to do that and we'll see if you agree or not. <laughs> And then we'll kick off the year with performance reviews are right around the corner. And sometimes thinking about if you're going to make a change in your job, depends on how you feel about today. And are you going to get that promotion or that comp increase? So how to really go into those conversations strong. And then we're going to wrap up with how to think about goals for the new year. And I'm going to try to bribe Dan to come back and and spend one more episode with us. So have a wonderful rest of your day, your week. Daniel, it's always great to have you. And thank you so much for doing all of these with us. Of course. Lovely to see you. And we will see you all soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Shine at Work podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Leaving a review just takes a few minutes and truly helps other people find this podcast, which is why we do this podcast to help others. If you want to learn more about how we work with people to help them transform their careers and shine brightly in their lives, let's connect. We work with amazing humans one-on-one to help make a career change, go for that promotion, set career goals, and just build a plan for success for a job. Whether you're newer in the workforce, coming back after a break to focus on family, you've been in your job or your career for years, or maybe you're taking a step into management, we can help you. You can email me directly at karen at karendweeks.com or message me on Instagram at kdwcoaching underscore careers or find me on LinkedIn, just Karen D. Weeks. Finally, we always have to give a shout out to the amazing Astronaut Go Home for our music and the people I don't know how it would live without, Novice Studios, for making the podcast come to life. Until next time, remember that you can and deserve to shine at work.